0: Well, good morning. We're already off to a great start this morning. I look forward to the time that we're about to spend together in God's Word, Acts chapter 28. uh, We are continuing our look at the life of Paul and Paul's story. Uh, I want to go ahead and tell you right now uh, about uh, next weekend, uh, the weekend after Thanksgiving, uh, which sometimes can be a a lower than normal attendance weekend. But I want to encourage you to, to be sure to put next Saturday evening next Sunday morning on your calendar and make plans to be here uh, because we're going to be doing two very important things in the life of our church. Number one, uh, as a church family in all three services, we'll be observing the Lord's Supper uh, together as a church family next Sunday. So you'll want to be here and be a part of that if you're worshiping from home with us during this season, this time that we're in. Be sure you have some bread, maybe some leftover pumpkin or pecan pie or something edible and something to drink. That way you can participate with us in that worship experience next weekend. Then also Pastor Jeff is going to be preaching a message uh, that I think will be the most important message that he will preach all year uh, because he will be taking Paul's story and, and bridging the gap to our story and challenging us with a look at how we can By becoming more like Christ and becoming more like Paul, live out transforming relationships in our lives before he begins in a couple weeks the march towards Christmas and looking towards the birth of our Savior. So be a part next Sunday, next weekend, in whatever way you can. If you're traveling, make time uh, to watch the service online. If you're with family, make them watch it with you. It will be a great experience and a great time of worship. And if you're here in town, uh, make every effort to be here on Sunday morning next weekend. It's been a great weekend for our family. I don't have any of my family in the room at this service, uh, but last night my parents, my niece, I, I told the service last night that my favorite niece was in the room. I forgot to clarify, she is my only niece, so I wasn't excluding any other nieces. I have a bunch of nephews, and then this one niece, my sister's oldest daughter, Briley, was with us. They came to watch Um, Olivia perform in the Nutcracker with her Conroe area dance studio that she's a part of and they did a great job at the two o'clock performance that we went to. I understand they did a great job at the 530 performance that was happening while I was here last night and so This weekend has been all about Olivia and the Nutcracker. Uh, Tate told me his favorite part were the songs from Home Alone that were used. And then I said, Tate, it's the other way around. Home Alone used songs from the Nutcracker, used music from the Nutcracker uh, for background music in a couple scenes of that movie. And when I left the house this morning, uh, I believe he was watching Home Alone 2 on Netflix. So he is geared up and ready uh, for the Christmas season in, in, in the best way possible. But I'm excited to be here today. I'm thankful for you as a church family. Last weekend, we had uh, several couples join our church, several families join our church uh, as part of our First Steps class that we uh, had last Sunday afternoon after the service was over at 11 o'clock and just a great time. There were roughly 24, 25 total in attendance at that. Some had already joined and had not been. Some were expecting, preparing, ready to join and wanted to just have that final bit of information and confirmation. And I think the thing that excites me the most about all the folks that have joined our church over the course of this past year is just all of them saying something about the, the, the joy and the challenge they feel of being connected to uh, this vision that God has laid before our church. Uh, to be a church family that engages people one-on-one with the gospel, with discipleship, with mentorship, seeking to engage in these 10,000 transforming relationships. And I think today's message is a great challenge and this part of Paul's story is a great challenge for us and how we can be better prepared and most equipped to do that. And I know that probably, if you're like me, uh, back before uh, the first weekend or second weekend or so of March, when things started to really uh, shut down in our area, uh, there were numerous counties having lockdowns, cities, states having lockdowns. Before that time period, first of March and before, if you're like me, Maybe you enjoyed spending time at the local mall. Uh, some of you may have gone there to, 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 to walk, to get your exercise. If it's bad weather outside, if it's cold, if it's rainy, it's a great place to go and just walk. Um, I like to go on Fridays on my day off, go at lunchtime, and I can get a whole lunch off of the free samples that the fast food places are handing out. Now, I'm, I'm not a betting man, but I would bet, if I was, I would bet that that's one thing that's not coming back, regardless of how successful any vaccines and any treatments may become for COVID. I'm guessing there won't be fast food restaurants handing out free samples at the mall anymore. So I'm going to have to come up with a new game plan for what I do for lunches on Fridays. But one thing I've observed at the mall, and you may have observed this too, is, is the mom, the weary mom that's there with the three kids under five or six years old. And you know this because she's got one in a stroller that she's pushing and two are on leashes, those backpacks. You know, it's usually an animal and they've got it on there and, that, and they can only get as far from their mother or maybe might be a babysitter, someone who's watching them for the day. They can only get as far from that mom, that person that's responsible for them, is that leash on that backpack, and there's a certain part of the mall where there's a little playground, a little indoor playground that's built. If you've been in the Woodlands Mall, you know what area I'm talking about. When those kids get to that spot, it's like freedom, right? They get to they get the shake out of that backpack. It comes in Velcro, and they get to run around. Now, they're, they're still in some walls. There's, there's a little bit of a wall structure around that. But they get that freedom. They get that opportunity to live an unhindered life for, for 30 or 40 minutes before they put the backpack back on. Mom finishes her Starbucks or her smoothie or whatever she's got. or her. For us, it's Great American Cookies. We'll get a chocolate chip and a peanut butter cookie and a cherry Coke, and that's our, our snack that we enjoy while the kids play at the mall. And then they'll leave, and they'll head back. They'll put the backpack back on, and they'll march to the car. And that's a great device, right, to keep a, a three-, four-year-old from just running amuck all over the mall. And so you think about these kids and that, that sense of, of joy that they have of, of being unhindered. You know, some of you are like me and you're, you're, you're an extrovert. You enjoy being around people and you draw energy from being around people. And if you're also like me and you have young kids at home, the, at least for us, the, the, the two solid weeks where we, our offices were closed, we were working from home, those were the two worst weeks of my life. Now, for some of you, you're you're you don't have the young kids at home, and you're introverted, and those were the two best weeks of your life because everybody else got to enjoy life the way that you enjoy life, the way that you enjoy it was business as usual, and so I, I observed in the Conroe area at the, now there were lower capacity numbers, but at the restaurants there was. People, those few weeks after the, the full lockdown was over, there was this, this sense of, of joy and this sense of racing to get there to get to the table. And you started figuring out which restaurants did call ahead seating, and you'd get on that list real quick and guarantee your seats. There was this, this feeling of not being hindered by any policies or anything that was in place. That, that feeling of freedom is such a great thing. That feeling of, of being unhindered is something that, that you and I can relate to on a number of different levels. But but maybe you and I, as we think about that vision, that call on our lives uh, to fulfill the Great Commission, to go and make disciples, and more specifically here at First Baptist Conroe, to do that by engaging in transforming relationships in our community. Maybe you feel compelled to, to follow through and step into that call and obey that, but you feel like there's something holding you back. You feel a little bit hindered. Well, we've been looking at the life of a man named Paul who much of his his life in ministry that we have recorded, he was literally hindered by chains. Much of his ministry, much of his evangelism as a prisoner on ships and different different places where he was being toted around before he had to, to testify or be brought before a group of people to be questioned. And we see in this story where he's on his way to Rome and he's going to get to Rome and we're going to see that that Paul did some things that allowed him to to live an unhindered life, allowed him to engage in transforming relationships in an unhindered way, allowed him to, to do things exactly the way that God had designed him to do. Just like those kids running and playing and not having that backpack on, and just like us as we engage the people around us and we seek to do the things that God has created us to do, Paul found some things that helped him live an unhindered life. And I just wonder, maybe today, if if you're thinking about that, that challenge, that vision that we have, and, and just going to give you a little glimpse into the future, next year in 2021, as a church family, uh, Pastor Jeff's going to issue the challenge to us that we would each engage in at least one transforming relationship. You know, this weekend, there'll be 450 to 500 people here on campus. There'll be another 200 plus people watching us online. So, you know, 600 to 700 people, when you add up the people that are actively engaged on a weekly basis in the services here, that, that all of us would engage in at least one transforming relationship in 2021. And I just wonder, what is it that might be holding us back? What is it that might be hindering us? Are there, are there relationship wounds that need healing? Is there, there debt that needs canceling? Is there Is there an addictive behavior or something that you just need to release to God and say, God, I want you to have control of this area of my life because this is holding me back. Maybe you're just stuck in a spiritual rut. You're spiritually dull. There's no life. There's no growth. There's apathy there. Maybe that's the place that you're in. What is it that's hindering you? And so I know that all of us probably bring something here this morning that, that we can say honestly, when we really have God search our hearts and challenge us, that that's holding us back doing what it is that God has, has created us and called us to do. And I want you to see some things from Acts chapter 28 that Paul did, some practices that he had, some regular rhythms of his life that helped him be unhindered. And the first one comes in Acts chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. When he's on the island of Malta, the ship that he was on last week, and Pastor Jeff looked at the courage that Paul displayed during the shipwreck, it says, Starting in verse 1, after we were brought safely through Luke's writing, he says, We then learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all, because it had begun to rain and it was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. They had all thought that this sea god was punishing him by sending this snake out to bite him and try to kill him because he had escaped the sea god's wrath and had not died during this shipwreck. And so they're saying he he must be a murderer because of that. He, however, Paul, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time, they saw no misfortune had come to him. And they changed their minds and said that he was a god. So they go from thinking that he was a murderer needing punishment, that he must be a god. Well, they're about to find out exactly who Paul is and what he had come to do. Verse 7 says, Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery. And Paul visited him and prayed, And putting his hands on him, he healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They also honored us greatly. And when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. The first thing, the first rhythm that Paul practiced in order to live an unhindered lifestyle was that Paul served those around him. And we see in this passage two specific things. One's very great has a tremendous impact on other people's lives. And one was a really small, almost a detail that you might gloss over. In verse three, you know, think about these different people on the ship and at least of, of the believers that were on the ship, Paul is the leader. You know, Paul's the pastor. Paul's the one training and equipping those that are following him. Paul's kind of the guy in charge and they look to this authority figure, but notice what he does in verse three. When Paul had gathered a of, bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, He's there serving. He's there helping. Remember, he's in chains. You know, when you think about building a fire and what it takes to do that, and and I've never been shipwrecked on an island, uh, so I don't know what that would be like, but I can imagine that would be a pretty stressful, pretty frustrating experience for someone who's not in prison chains and for someone who's not experienced all that Paul has experienced. And yet here he is taking time to serve those around him. And that serving and the way that he responded to that snake and that incident and the way that they gained favor in the village gave him an opportunity to serve at an even deeper level. And because he could have rested, he could have gone and slept, he could have gone and eaten some warm stew and warmed himself up and taking care of himself and kind of bound his wounds and all that. But what does he do? He continues to serve others, prays for people, lays hands on them, provides healing for them engages in transforming relationships with Publius and his his father and the others in the village there where they're there for for those three days. And so the first thing, the first practice that we see in Paul's life that helps him be unhindered is that he served those around him. And you and I have that opportunity. A, A number of you are engaged in service here in this church, in this community, in so many different ways. That, that, that lead to an opportunity for you to engage in transforming relationships. I'm so thankful for men and women that spend time with my kids on, on Sunday morning and Wednesday night in their life group and their Bible studies and engage our children, our students. I'm thankful for our life group teachers. I'm thankful for our life group leaders. I'm thankful for, for leaders of different ministry areas who serve the kingdom and serve the church and, and practice this rhythm and, and walk in a way that helps them take steps towards being unhindered. And so maybe if you're not in a place of service here in this church body, you're not in a place of service here in this community where you're able to serve those around you, maybe that's a step you need to take today and this week and in the weeks to come to find ways to serve those around you. We'll have an opportunity to do that this week, is whether it's a small gathering or a larger gathering, an opportunity for you to serve your family this week, an opportunity for you to engage. And, and what serving does is shows others humility. It shows the love of God to other people in a tangible way, a way that that somebody else can relate to and say, "They, they, they did that for me. And they didn't have to do that. Paul didn't have to gather the firewood. He could have told somebody else to do that. Paul didn't have to pray for people who were sick. Paul didn't have to visit people who were sick. He didn't have to offer them healing, lay his hands on them. He could have rested. He could have relaxed. But yet he chose to serve those around him. The next six verses 11 through 16 show us the second thing that Paul did. After three months, we set sail in a ship that had wintered on the island, a ship of Alexandria with the twin gods as a figurehead. Putting in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days. And from there, we made a circuit and arrived at Regium. And after one day, a south wind sprang up. And on the second day, we came to Puteoli. There we found brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days. And so we came to Rome. And the brothers there, when they heard about us, came as far as the Forum of Appius and three taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. And when we came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier that guarded him. The second thing that Paul did when he got to Rome is that when we started making his, his journey north towards Rome is that he shared fellowship with other believers. And you know, one of my favorite parts about, about Sunday morning happens at 945 when when our church family from the youngest to the oldest gather for life group. And and, and groups spend an hour or so together singing and praying for one another and in God's word together and sharing prayer requests and sharing uh, in the blessings that God has brought to us and sharing in the the challenges and the struggles that life brings our way. And some of our groups have have found ways to, to meet on off nights during the week so that more can come to their group and they can meet as many from their group in a comfortable way. One of our life groups met yesterday afternoon before church and others when they're not able to meet or engaging others online and they're, they're, they're sending us prayer requests. They're sending us needs that are within those groups and they're, they're meeting needs in those groups and doing ministry as a group. And all during this time, they're sharing in fellowship. You that are in life group are sharing in fellowship with other believers. And I think it's vitally important that, that when God has given us this, this bold vision to accomplish that, that we as a church family, we don't have to be uniform. And how we do that, but there does have to be, and there does need to be unity. And that unity is fostered when we fellowship well with other believers. See, I, I really believe, and I hope you do too, that, there's, that there ought to be something different about Christian community than any other community that we belong to. You know, there are CrossFit gyms, and there are clubs, and there are social groups, and there are organizations doing things all over our community that are practicing different types of fellowship and community. But there's only one place around the person of Jesus Christ that you can find true Christian community, and that's in a local body of believers. And we are so grateful that, that you have chosen and made First Baptist Church Conroe your local body of believers. And so I would challenge you, if you're, if you're not in a life group, be in one. Shoot me an email, grab me after the service, and we'll help you connect to one. And if you are in one, or if you join one and you're new to one, go all in. Be, be engaged at the highest level possible in that group. Be here, be with that group as often as possible. But all of that, when you're in that room, you're in that Bible study, you're in that discussion, be open, be accountable to others, allow others to be accountable to you and practice Christian fellowship the way that Paul gathered with the brothers in verse 14 and stayed with them for seven days. And then they came to Rome and they found other Christian brothers there that came to meet him. So Paul served others well. He served those around him. He shared in fellowship with believers. And then we, we go to verse 17. Paul's in Rome. and says, after three days, he called together the local leaders of the, of the Jews, the religious leaders of, of this area. And when they had gathered, he said to them, brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. That's what brought Paul all the way to Rome. When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty because there was no reason for death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against any nation. For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. It's because of Christ that Paul is imprisoned. He's wearing this chain, and they said to him, the religious leaders, the Jewish leaders, said to him, We have received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you. But we desire to hear from you what your views are, for with regard to this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. When they had appointed when they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. From morning till evening he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus from the law of Moses and from the prophets. So he spends the whole day confessing who Jesus is, using Old Testament truth that these religious leaders would have known, would have known very well, would have known by heart. He's using this truth that they knew from the law of Moses, the beginning, the first five books of the Old Testament, and also the prophets. And here's the result of of what Paul did that day in verse 24. Some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet. This is from Isaiah chapter 6. Go to this people and say, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and with their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn... I would heal them. And Paul, Luke writes this about Paul, Therefore let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. So Paul saw something in these religious leaders that, that he brought out to them. He showed the religious leaders that they had become dull. Paul showed the religious leaders by quoting Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 and 10 to them. You hear but never understand. You see but never perceive. The people's heart has grown dull. With their ears, they can barely hear. With their eyes, they have closed. And Paul said that the Holy Spirit gave those words to Isaiah the prophet to give to the Jewish leaders so that they would see that they missed the person of Jesus Christ. They missed the good news of Jesus Christ. And the, the culmination of this is one of the, the most transformational things that's happened in the history of the world. Paul and other Christian leaders during this time, other missionaries, other pastors that he equipped brought the gospel to the Gentile world. And, And because of that, the world has never been the same. God still loves His chosen people dearly even though they rejected His Son. But God loves this world deeply and gave us men like Paul to share and proclaim and carry the good news of Jesus Christ as it spreads around the world and comes to us today and we're hearing that good news of Jesus Christ and I just wonder... Paul served those around him. We need to be more like Paul in that instance. Paul shared fellowship with other believers. We need to be more like Paul in that instance. Paul showed the religious leaders that they had become dull. We don't need to be more like Paul in this picture. We need to be less like those religious leaders. We need to pray and ask God to to wipe away the apathy and the dullness that's come into our lives. We don't need to to just go through the motions of being a Christian of being a Christ follower. We need to be fully obedient and fully surrendered to what God's word tells us to do. In Matthew chapter 28, I I referenced it before when we started the message about going, Jesus' command to go and make disciples. That command is the, the exact same for every single person sitting in this room and every single person hearing these words online right now. But how we live out that command is different for every single person sitting in this room. Nobody else has the same relationships that I do. Nobody else has the same relationships and connections sitting right next to each other. Even if you're sitting next to your spouse, you have different people that God has brought into your life and wants to use you to engage with them in a a transforming way. And I just wonder if the one thing that's hindering us, maybe the one thing that's hindering me is I've I've become dull. Have we become dull? Are we listening but not hearing? Are we hearing but not understanding? Are we seeing but not perceiving what it is that God has called us to do? Yes, I, I know what Jesus taught in Scripture, but am I living that out? Is that the thing that's hindering me from doing what God has called me to do to engage in transforming relationships? So be careful not to place yourself in this portion of the story in Paul's shoes, the way that we need to serve the way that Paul did, the way that we need to fellowship with the believers the way that Paul did. But ask yourself, am I, am I like those religious leaders? Am I hearing truth, but not obediently, faithfully following it? And then these last two verses, we see the the recorded conclusion from Luke's perspective of of Paul's ministry and what he does here in Rome. Now we get in other letters that Paul wrote, we get other bits and pieces of the finality of of Paul's story. And we're going to look at that some next week. But we get Luke's conclusion to Paul's story here in verses 30 and 31. And a fourth thing that, that Paul did To live an unhindered life. It says Paul lived there for two whole years at his own expense. He welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Paul proclaimed the kingdom of God. He taught boldly. He did so in an unhindered way. He didn't mail it in. He he could have said, You know what, I've raised up these younger men to preach and teach and place them at churches. I've written these letters to these different churches. I've engaged these different bodies of believers all around the world that he engaged in his life. I've done enough. These last few years of my life, I'm just going to sit back and and watch that grow. I'm going to sit back and enjoy the fruit of everything I've done. No, he pursued transforming relationships further with all boldness and with all hindrance. He didn't depend on someone else to do it. He kept at it. He kept at what God had called him to do, that purpose that God had equipped him to fulfill. He didn't allow anything internally or externally to hinder him from fulfilling God's purpose for his own life. Paul, the fourth thing that he did, Paul was not hindered by Paul. And I just wonder this morning, maybe is the hindrance not an outside circumstance? but an internal one. Some hindrance that you have, have placed or allowed to be placed on your life. See, there are so many things in this world that we cannot control, but we can control ourselves. We can control our level of obedience, our level of faith, our level of belief, our amount of time we spend in God's Word, the way we respond to the things that we read and hear from God's Word. We can control ourselves. And just like Paul, we can take that step and not be hindered by our own selves. Now, yes, that thing that's hindering you may be something that didn't originate outside of, maybe it did originate outside of your control. But now you're allowing that to control you. See, over the course of the next year, let's say that, that you did make that commitment. So we close 2020 and begin to march towards 2021 as so we anticipate 11:59:59 on the clock on December 31st, 2020, and all of us probably will never celebrate the new year as greatly as we're going to celebrate this one. And maybe between now and then, you take that step to be committed to engaging in at least one transforming relationship in 2021. But you're sitting here thinking today on November the the 22nd, what's going to hinder me from doing that? Do I need to, to step out in faith and begin to serve those around me? Serve that person that God has called me to reach. Serve that person that God has called me to disciple. Serve that person that God has called me to mentor, that couple, that family that God has called me to invest in. Do I need deeper fellowship, deeper faith, deeper accountability with Christian believers? Do I need to increase the engagement that I have with my fellow believers? Do I need to to, to pray and ask God to, to, to move in my life and restore zeal and passion for His kingdom and His people? and wipe away some of the apathy and the dullness that's crept in. Maybe I just need to get out of my own way and not hinder myself the way that Paul became unhindered, living at his own expense, welcoming all who came to him to proclaim the kingdom of God and teach about Jesus. See, God has a plan for your life to use you in a transforming way in the world around you. His plan for me is different than his plan for each of you. Maybe some of you are walking in that and living that out. Maybe some of you are searching for that. But maybe some of us, there's something holding us back from living out that plan. It might be a broken relationship that needs reconciliation and healing. It might be great financial debt that needs a plan of action for reducing or for eliminating from your life and to take that stress and that that burden out of your life. Maybe it's an addictive or a sinful behavior. Actions or reactions that need confessing and need you to take life-altering actions to eliminate from your life that would be holding, back, holding you back from your growth and your relationship with Christ. Maybe it's an awakening of your own faith to replace spiritual dullness and inactivity with zeal for the things of God. Maybe this morning you'd say, Alan, I, I, I can't engage in a transforming relationship with somebody around me because my life has not been transformed. I, I know who Jesus is, but, but I'm like those religious leaders. I haven't made that, that step of faith and personally said, I, I want to trust in what Jesus has done for me. You'd say, I can't engage in a transforming relationship because Jesus hasn't changed my life. I can't, I can't tell someone else about being a believer because I myself am not a believer. Maybe that's the thing that's holding you back. And maybe today in just a minute when we pray and, and hope. Hold- Many of you will lay things at God's feet, will lay that broken relationship, will lay that debt, that behavior, your own spiritual awakening at God's feet and say, God, redeem this in my life, reconcile this in my life, make me right with you. When, when those around you are maybe doing that, maybe you just need to pray and say, God, I, I confess that Jesus needs to be my Savior. Maybe you just need to right where you're seated, in your home, wherever it is that you're watching this morning, confess to Jesus Christ Repent of your sin and trust Him as your Savior. You know, this past week I was scrolling through Facebook and I saw a video from the Pacific Northwest of, a, of an animal sanctuary that had rehabbed a, an injured bald eagle, full-grown bald eagle. And they had this eagle in this box that they had, had transported in from their facility out to the, the edge of this sound overlooking some water and some trees. This beautiful scene and the handler is there with his gear on and getting ready and several people are around in kind of a u-shaped formation around this box and this eagle and they're getting ready to release this eagle back into the wild to do what it was created to do they had rehabbed its injuries they had brought it back to full strength and full health and now this eagle was ready to be released and there was this this moment this split second when they they opened the box and this eagle kind of you know cranes its neck and starts to peer around and starts to spread its wings and and then begins to fly. And there's all these cheers and all these applause going up and the eagle kind of makes this little, little circle almost as a way of saying thank you to the people that were gathered there to help and then it soars off into the distance. And just this beautiful picture of God's creation being broken, being injured in some way, being repaired, being brought to wholeness and then being released to do what it was that God had created it to do. And I just wonder this morning as we, in just a few minutes, are going to pray together as we release things to God that may be holding us back from doing what it is that God had called us to, I just wonder if we could just for a second let our imaginations go to work and think forward to two, five, ten years from now when hundreds, if not thousands of people who, who say, First Baptist Church Conroe is my church home and I am committed to engaging and transforming Relationships, and we are well on our way two years from now to achieving our goal of 10,000. We're, we're even further along our way of, of achieving that number in year five. And maybe we're well past that number by year 10, by 2030. Imagine what that's like. Imagine what our community would look like. Imagine what Montgomery County might look like. Imagine what this world might look like as God uses us to bring about transformation, to bring peace in the person of Jesus Christ to the chaos that's in our world. As we engage in Christian fellowship with those around us, as we serve others, as we have zeal for the Lord, as we pray against and we, we strive and we work against becoming spiritually dull and apathetic, and as, we, as we do what it is that God has called us to do in an unhindered way. I have the picture of that, that eagle soaring away with its wings wide and flapping exactly the way they're supposed to. I have that picture of that eagle in my mind. And, and there's only one picture in my mind that's better than what I see Conroe and what I see this area becoming if we do what God has, has laid before us to do. And that's, that's eternity. See, we could, we could be the next thing closest to heaven as we as we experience the, the, the life change with those around us. Those we're closest to in our families that don't know Christ come to know Him. Those marriages that are broken or restored, those families that are hurting, they, they, they have peace, they have joy. They have contentment in, in things of Christ and not of this world. We do exactly what God has created us to do, but I, but I hope that we would seek to do that in the most unhindered way possible. I hope this morning that you would join me in committing to serving those around you. That you would join this church family in being in Christian fellowship with other believers and engaging in that to the full extent possible. I hope that you join me in in, in committing to and praying that that God would would restore joy to our salvation and keep us from falling into a pattern of, of apathy and dullness. And that we would not hinder ourselves either individually or as a church family, from doing what it is that God had called us to do.